Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 1 through 7, called Adoption as Sons. Debbie Moon's first grade class was discussing a picture of a family. The little boy in the photo had a different hair color than the other family members. One child suggested that that was so because the boy was adopted. A girl in the class responded that she knew all about adoption because she had been adopted. Another girl asked what it meant to be adopted. Her classmate answered, quote, adoption means that you grew in your mommy's heart instead of in her tummy, close quote. In the eyes of the law, the adopted one became a new creature. In Roman society, he was regarded, she was regarded as being born again into a new family. And this is the illustration of what happens in conversion. Let me give you the illustration in verse 1. Now I say, Galatians 4.1, as long as the heir is a child. Most scholars say the best way to render child here is a minor. He does not differ at all, you can say practically, from a slave although he is the owner of everything. NIV, what I'm saying is this, that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. Now, if you've been with us in Galatians, the question that's been hovering over the text is who are the true children of Abraham? Who is going to actually inherit the kingdom of God? Who is connected to the ultimate seed, Christ? Who are his offspring? Who are his seed that would outnumber the sand of the seashore or the stars of the sky? Who are the true heirs of the promise? And how does one obtain the promise? Do you have to be Jewish? Do you have to be circumcised? Do you have to have a certain kosher diet? Do you have to go through certain rules and regulations? Do you have to go through a mikvah ceremony in water? Do you have to be baptized? What is it that brings someone into a right adoptive relationship with the God of heaven and earth? That is the ultimate question, is it not? We need to know how one is saved. And Paul has gone through great lengths to turn the jewel of the gospel to show us many different ways in which we can get the idea of who we are in Jesus. In the ancient world, the division between childhood and adulthood was much more definitive than it is in most societies today. Although ancient customs varied, there was usually a prescribed age when a child, especially a boy, would officially come of age and take on the privileges and responsibilities of adulthood. As mentioned in, previous chap- in the previous chapter, the Roman ceremony marking that uh, change in status was called the toga virilis. And when you became a man in Roman society, you literally put on the toga. And that was a sign of your adulthood. That was a sign of a rite of passage. It was a sign of, tra- of a transition. In the Greek culture, you became a man at 18. And they had a formal festival and a ceremony, and they would actually cut the hair at 18 and offer it to the god Apollo. The god Apollo with a small g, the false god, but part of the pantheon of gods uh, worshipped in Greek and Roman uh, religion. In Judaism, the transition from uh, boyhood to adulthood happened for the boy at what's called a bar mitzvah. 
Bar is son, mitzvah means law, and you became the son of the law. And in that ceremony, if you've been part of a bar mitzvah, there are words that are conveyed to God that I am no longer responsible for this boy. He is now a son of the law. He is now responsible. You could, you've heard this captured in uh, ideas like the age of accountability. And so they had formal ceremonies where once uh, a minor hit that status, he now became considered an adult. In our society, you know, it's the voting age, etc. We get some of that. And some of you have done some rite of passage ceremonies with your own children. But even though a minor would be in a household and be the heir of the whole estate, yet if he was young, if he had not hit that mark yet, he is under, subject to NIV guardians and managers until, would you note it, Verse 2, the date set by the Father. Now, in the previous message, we studied something called the Patagagas, and he was the household servant who watched over the, the children, made sure they got off to school, did their assignments, and he was, the pedagogue was over the child until that time where the child became independent of the pedagogue. And Paul took that image and said, that's how the law is. We were under the law, under the dictates of the law, until we we're finally set free. Here in verse 2, it is the date, that date is set by the Father. Set by the Father when the status would change. In the, in the Old Testament, God pictures Israel as his son. You could say Israel was God's adoptive son. God chose to love Israel, not because they were more numerous than other people's, not because they were greater than other people's, but just because God decided to love them. And he says, out of Egypt, Hosea 11.1, 1, I called my son. In Exodus 4.22 and 23, through Moses, God says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Israel is my son. Let him go. And God brought 10 amazing plagues on the Egyptians to release his child out, out of captivity. But we know there was hundreds of years in there and there was a date set by the father, if you will, when he would bring release to his son, Israel. And that release would come by a deliverer, Moses. And the final plague would be the plague of the death of the firstborn. And the way that you avoided that plague was through the blood of the Lamb. All of this is imagery painting the picture of the gospel and painting the picture of freedom. The point of the analogy is simply this. The heir can, is under the guardianship until the time fixed by the Father. Until then, he cannot be fully free. Here's the application of the illustration. So also we. Here's the application to the Galatian Christians and to the Coronian Christians. While we were children, while we were minors, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. I think the we here likely refers both to Jew and Gentile. And here he says, there was a time when we were these minors, even though heirs, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. We were not free to be who we were actually called to be. You say, what are the elemental things of the world? You could read volumes. But let me give you the, some of the major views. Stoikion is the Greek word. The definition of stoikion includes the elements that make up the world, like earth, air, and fire, and water. 
Some people say it means the basic fundamental uh, constituents or propositions or the letters of an alphabet or the elements of speech. It speaks to the basics of disciplines like science and mathematics. The word denotes the elementary or fundamental principles or rules of life or the present world order. This could also include the worship of the elements, which happened in many pagan religions. They would worship the water or the rivers. They would worship the sun. They would worship the air. In fact, in Ephesians 2, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. And so in pagan religions, when they saw the fireball in the sky of the sun, they would say there's a sun god, or there's a moon god, or there's a god of the Nile. In fact, when God turns the Nile red with blood, it's in essence God is saying, your God, God, the true God is saying to the Egyptians, your God, the Nile God, is false. And by the way, I just killed him. <laughs> He's bleeding. Poor Nile. See, this is what was going on in the ancient world. People worshipped the fundamental elements or the elemental things of the world. My view in this context, those things that make up man-made religion. It is those things tied to human philosophy and tradition. Even Israel, after release from Egyptian bondage, makes a golden calf and worships it and acclaims it as the God who brought them out of Egypt. Can you believe it? Until you look at your own heart, until I look at my own heart, and realize how easy it is for me to flip-flop and trust God one moment and give God my praise with my lips and my heart, and the next moment, maybe even act like I don't belong to Him. That's what Israel did. Man's religion, whatever it may be, cannot fathom the full revelation of Jesus Christ. That God's grace caused Jesus to come into the world to taste death for every one of us. And in Colossians 2.8, Paul writes these words, See to it, brethren, beware, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, Colossians 2.8, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, there's that phrase, rather than according to Christ. Don't be duped! You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Whatever it may be, cannot fathom the full revelation of Jesus Christ. That God's grace caused Jesus to come into the world to taste death for every one of us. And in Colossians 2.8, Paul writes these words. See to it, brethren. Beware. 
that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, Colossians 2.8, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, there's that phrase, rather than according to Christ. Don't be duped! Peter T. O'Brien says, the overwhelming majority of recent commentators tells us the elementary principles should be translated elemental spirits. These demonic spirits were thought to control the planetary spheres and thus men's lives, the world order, if you will. And people would try to appease these gods with a small g, even going to the extent of sacrificing their children in fire that maybe their crops would be blessed, in quotes, or maybe they would be protected in their life. You fill in the blank. Man's religion, all about getting something for self, not about dying, not about trying to love others as you have been loved. No, it's about self. And by the way, it is selling like gangbusters even under Christian labels today. It appeals to the masses because if you can give me a secret, a button I can push, where I can get what I want on earth, sign me up. And the books fly off the shelves. And it's nothing but age-old man's religion. And the discernment in the Christian church may be at an all-time low. And so also when we were children, we were in slavery, NIV, under the basic principles of the world, verse 3. The word for bondage means to enslave. It means to reduce to bondage. These elemental things of the world did not make us free, but held us in slavery. They held us in bondage. And since the context has been the law, we understand that the law of God, and you could just think here of the Ten Commandments, shows us the sin in our lives. And specifically, if you think about the first two commandments, the sin of what? Idolatry. You shall have no other gods before me. God's top two. Don't make an idol. So if you think about the commandments of God, you think about the law exposes idolatry for what it is. Take a look at Galatians 4.8. Paul says, however, at that time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. There are no gods at all. People can say, with all due respect to people all over the world, I'm spiritual or I'm religious. But what you, who you worship really matters. And it's not just about prag pragmatism. It's not just about what works, all that, although that seems to be at the top of the list for many. And it's understandable on one level because we're human and we're looking for solutions and we're looking for things that work. But to know God's ways says, you are Father, you are God. Help me to trust you. One writer says, Paul may well be pointing to the things strongly associated with idolatry so that the elemental principles of the world would be things like this. Money, sex, power, prosperity. These are the gods of the common age. Would you agree? And these gods were worshipped around the idols. In fact, oftentimes there was a demonic activity around idolatry, and there was also uh, debased sexual activity around these things. And people said, well, I'm worshiping my God. I I'm, doing, I'm doing what is part of my religion. And Paul says, no, 
No, no, no, no, no. This is false. Some years ago, I was playing on a slow-pitch softball team with a bunch of born-again Catholics. It was awesome. The team was called The Source. They were a great group of people. They were part of a Catholic church, but they all were incredibly committed to the Lord, knew the Lord. We prayed together. It was awesome. And I was a disaster. I was a brand-new Christian, but I was struggling with so many things. And I remember Ernie was the pitcher on the softball team, and I showed up, and I was... I was a bit of a mess, you know, in my, my uh, disheveled life, if you want to put it that way. And I, Ernie could tell I was struggling. And I said something to Ernie, like, I'm, I'm having a hard time walking with the Lord. And Ernie looked at me, and he had been a longtime believer, and he said, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. And I was a little blown away. But then I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. See, this is the struggle. There's appeal to these things in the world. But when the fullness of the time came, Galatians 4, 4, when the time had fully come, if you have an NIV, God, what did he do? He sent forth his son into a world like this, into a rebellious people like Israel who had not heard from a prophet for 400 years. Trace the history of the Jewish people. Would you say the theme of of idolatry runs beyond Egypt? Runs beyond the desert? Oh, yeah. All throughout their history, going into the promised land, idolatry was the biggest problem. And even though God had delivered them from Egypt, they still had the issues in their heart, just like we do. But when the fullness of the time came, when, when the date was set by the Father, God, God the Father here, what did He do? He sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Our sad condition, bondage to the elemental things of the world. And then God said, there was a time, if I can put it this way, in heaven where God the Father said to God the Son, go now, go And he fulfilled all these prophecies in Isaiah 9, Isaiah 7, Micah 5, and many other places. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God did not send his son into the world, John 3, 17, to judge the world or condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. 1 John 4, 9 says, By this the love of God was manifested in us. God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. I probably have about 20 verses, maybe more, that I could rattle off to you right now about the Father sending the Son and the motivation of God the Father, love. The motivation of God the Son, love. The motivation to bring me and you into his family. You've been listening to Adoption as Sons, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 1 through 7. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, just so you know, Pastor Michael is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. And you're invited to attend our Wednesday night service and or our Sunday morning service 
which is live streamed on YouTube. Join Pastor Michael in the Living Truth Christian Fellowship family in worship and for an inspiring teaching from Pastor Michael. You can find Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube by going to walkintruth.com. And Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team would love it if you joined us. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the time in which we live has brought a lot of questions and a lot of maybe misunderstanding and heartache. But, you know, the Bible says to be quick to listen, James 1.19, slow to speak and slow to anger. It's always a good thing when we try to understand where somebody else is coming from. And right now in our uh, culture where there's a lot of racial tension, let me just take a moment to say, because this word slavery came up in this passage and it's not even you know, referring to Roman type of, of slavery situations, but it does, it, it can be heard in such a way um, where it can hurt. And um, I know sometimes, for example, with our black brothers and sisters, sometimes the way we hear things can be different and we're not going to really understand each other until we know how, when something is said, this is the way somebody can hear that that's different than you. For example, someone who maybe has been through a trauma Something can spark that and other language can spark different feelings in different people. You say, what are you trying to say, Pastor Michael? Here's what I'm trying to say. I think we need to do more listening and have more honest conversations inside and outside the church because there's been a lot of hurt. And let's just face it. Racism still exists in our culture. It's sad, but it does. I want to tell you a quick story. I was watching uh, a recent broadcast on the MLB network they were going back and reciting some of the, replaying some of the great calls by Vin Scully. And if you're a, a Dodger fan, Vin Scully is a great hero of many who have grown up here in LA and in the surrounding uh, area. And Pastor Michael is definitely uh, bleeds Dodger blue. So don't hold that against me if you like another team. You, you have to love me. <laughs> they were talking about when um, Hank Aaron was about to break Babe Ruth's home run record. And I don't remember the exact year, but um, the Dodgers were actually playing the Braves when Hank Aaron broke that record. And they were saying that Hank Aaron was getting death threats for months leading up to him breaking Babe Ruth's record. And it's not hard to figure out that he was getting death death threats because he was a black man about to break a white man's home run record. And so I bring that up to tell you that if you think that it's just hundreds of years ago when this kind of attitude existed, it's not. If you've seen anything about Jackie Robinson, about Martin Luther King Jr., and there's even, of course, more recent examples. But I bring it up just to tell you that's something that struck me, and it just reminded me that the problem still exists, and the problem is still in our hearts. And it, and it's and it's to put it, you know, it, it can be in any community, it can come from any skin color, but right now we have to acknowledge that our black brothers and sisters, man, you know. They, they, they say that sometimes they, they don't feel like they, they get a, a fair treatment. And I think we need to listen. If, if we've kind of just dismissed that and said, well, you know, uh, I don't agree or I don't see that. Or, That's not been my experience. But you're not walking in their moccasins, are you? And so we'd be, we would do well to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, I'm not talking about false apologies or that kind of thing. I'm just talking about a conversation. I'm just talking about us being, having a heart for anyone who's feeling hurt or broken or ostracized or not part of, and that could apply to many other areas. The church must lead the way in saying anyone who would feel that way, no, 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 let's embrace each other 
as the body of Jesus Christ. We're already reconciled to one another, Ephesians chapter two, but let's practice it just like other things in the Christian life, which is a reality by position, but let's practice it. And, and I'd be the first to tell you, I've got work to do and I'm sure you do as well. And let's be praying that, you know, I see the enemy on the prowl in so many things, not just the tension in our, our culture right now, um, but I see the enemy trying to divide the church over things like masks and whether we should be in church. And oh, there's just so many things that are going on. And I know that there's other people who have come alongside and try to hijack, you know, people who have legitimate concerns and it's been hijacked. And I know, look, I know all the stuff that's going on. I could, I could talk for the next two hours about it, but I just wanted to bring up that singular thing because I have black brothers and sisters whom I love and I don't want their hearts to be hurting or them to think that we don't uh, see what they're saying and hear them and want to see uh, true change. Oh God, help us. Give us wisdom and help us to lead the way. Well, uh, here we are on this Friday and we are excited uh, to be moving into another weekend where we can worship the Lord. And we want to tell you about two morning services at 9 and eleven fifteen a.m., at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. We're in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. If you'd like to come in person for a service, we would love to have you. And you can find out information and directions at walkintruth.com. Now, we do live stream the 9 a.m. service. And if you want to uh, join us in worship that way, we'd love to have you that way. Just go on YouTube, search for Living Truth Christian Fellowship, or just go to the walkintruth.com site and click on the church tab. And join us Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 1 through 7, called Adoption as Sons. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a great weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.